Good morning. This is Kevin Payne, pastor at First Baptist Church in Independence, Missouri. Welcome to our podcast. What you're about to hear is a portion of our worship services that began last Sunday morning at 1030. Every week we gather and sing praises to the living God and hear teachings from His Word found in Scripture. We hope you enjoy the message. If you'd like to hear more, there are more here on the podcast, or you could come and worship with us. Our Bible studies begin at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and our worship begins at 10.30. We're located in Independence, Missouri, 500 West Truman Road. Why don't you come and worship with us? Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. We worship in spirit and in truth. We ask, Father, you would be with us. We ask that your spirit would move in our midst find open hearts and minds. Teach us and shape us to be like Jesus. We worship you and you alone, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here on a beautiful snowy morning. Let's stand together and sing something fun. Well, I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up Cause I knew my Lord had control Well I knew I was walking in the light Cause I'd been on my knees in the night And I prayed till the Lord gave me a sign And now I'm feeling mighty fine all the time we're walking and talking as we climb we're traveling the road to the sky where i know i'll live when i die he's been telling me all about that land and it tells me everything is grand it just says that a home will be
Thank you, Nate and friend. Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would. John chapter 14. And we're going to be focusing on this passage in John this morning. I'll be referencing quite a few other passages. If you have your phone app with the church app on it, what you can do is follow along and all the verses will be there listed. And, uh, you know, the passages there are also in the app. So let me encourage you to do that. And don't text other people during the sermon. You can do that later, okay? <laughs> and I know I'm going to have your full attention today because you don't have to worry about a football game or anything like that. Next week's kind of sketchy, I get it. John chapter 14, continuing in our series, Old Time Religion. And so if you wanted to know what are these ideas of old-time religion, and we sing about old-time religion, and we talk about old-time religion, we're going through kind of a nostalgia craze in our culture. When you talk about old-time religion, you're going to end up talking about the Holy Spirit because that was very much a part of a, a historical Christian faith. So we're going to talk about who he is and what he does and all those kinds of things today. John chapter 14. As always, we begin with prayer. Pray for our nation going through really a pivotal time in our nation's history. I don't have a clue what's going to happen. I don't even know what I think should happen, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where every expert has completely different opinions, so I don't even know who to listen to anymore. But uh, here we are. So pray that God can work, and that regardless of what we do, pray that God can continue to work, and will continue to work to guide our nation and bless us. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your presence today. We gather because we're broken. We need your help. We need guidance and comfort and peace and all the good things that you can bring us. We need those, Father. It's not just we want them, but we need them. We're sinners and we taint and break everything. We ask for mercy and patience and hope. Lord, we come to you knowing that we're sinners. We ask for mercy and forgiveness. Cleanse us, Father. Only you can do this. We claim the blood of Jesus on this one. We pray this morning that you would teach us from your word. That you would give us hope beyond this present world. That you would help us to learn to trust your scripture and not the wisdom of man. We pray for our political process. You know all the details. We pray, Father, for your will to be done, whatever that is. Regardless of what we do, we ask for your blessings and guidance. Help us to submit ourselves to your leadership. We pray for our nation, for our leaders, our soldiers and first responders. We pray for ourselves. Help us. Father, in the midst of all these requests for help, we do thank you. We have wonderful lives here. We eat. We're safe. We're warm. Thank you. Help us to work that others might experience these blessings. Speak to us now, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
So if someone were to ask you, we have this conversation on a bench at a store somewhere, and you mentioned the old-time religion, and they said, you know, I, was, I, I saw some preacher on TV and it's going on about the Holy Spirit. What's up with that? How would you answer that question? And if they said, well, the old-time religion, people talked about the Spirit all the time, what does that all mean? How would you answer that? So who is the Holy Spirit, or what is the Holy Spirit? Is it just a, a Christian thing? Do only Christians talk about the Holy Spirit? Did the Jewish people talk about the Holy Spirit? And outside of the Christian faith and the Jewish Christian faith, those mixes, uh, does anyone talk about the Spirit of God? Whenever you talk about old-time religion, specifically old-time Christian faith, you're going to end up talking about the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot in our modern culture, but that's not too long ago the Holy Spirit was a hot topic. We almost make fun of people who talk about the Holy Spirit now, don't we? We wouldn't do it consciously, but we tend to hold Pentecostals off to a distance because you know them Pentecostals, they got the Spirit, whatever that means. I always laugh when I get together with other preachers because some of my good friends are Pentecostal ministers. And they're very different and they talk very different. You know, and I'll say something like, well, I think this is what we need to do. And they'll say, well, the Spirit told me this is what we need to do. And then we have to go through that wrangling about what that means and who the Spirit is and are they listening to the correct Spirit or is there Spirit the ego and all those kinds of things. I had a speech teacher in, at, in preacher's college, and I went to college with 600 preachers, you know, in, in, a, in one of those weird situations, and our speech teacher said, if you feel led by a spirit, and he was making fun of preachers who always said that the spirit was telling him what to do, because sometimes preachers tend to throw that out and justify anything they want by saying it's the spirit's fault. So what we're going to do today is talk about exactly how does the Holy Spirit work, does he actually work in our lives? Does he get the credit or the blame for things? And, and do we as Christians, do we all receive the same measure of the Spirit? And answer some of those other questions. We'll begin with some of Jesus' words in John chapter 14. Just a short section beginning at verse 15. I'll read 15 through 18. This is Jesus talking. John 14, beginning at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So here's Jesus talking to his disciples they're worried about dying and all those kinds of things. And they can read the writing on the wall politically. They know that if Jesus doesn't shut his mouth, he's going to get himself killed. And, of course, he did. And they knew this was coming. So Jesus is giving them comfort. And then he says, in the middle of his comfort to them, he said, listen, it's important that I leave because if I stay here, the Holy Spirit won't come. And when I do leave, the Holy Spirit will come. And he called him the helper. And in other passages, it's called the Holy Spirit. And some of your old other versions use the phrase Holy Ghost. And just as an aside, some of you have King James Bibles. It's almost always the Holy Ghost in that version. Most other versions use Holy Spirit. It's all the same. 
the, the exact same words in the Greek text are translated either Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost or the Spirit. So there's no difference. And I say that because I grew up carrying one particular study Bible, and I knew it well. And that particular study Bible made much of the fact that some passages said Holy Spirit, and some passages said Holy Ghost, and other passages said the Spirit. And I just want you to know that that was just one preacher's wild-eyed imagination because there is no difference. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, is the Holy Ghost. It's just a matter of translators using words that they preferred. So just don't let that get hung up on you. So when you talk to people about the Holy Spirit and, they, and you're talking about the Holy Spirit and they say, well, what about the Holy Ghost? Just tell them, well, that's just the same thing. It's just another way of saying it. And the root of the words is common and all those kinds of things. So just remember that. So Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. He said that in verse 18. I'm going to be with you forever. So this is what the Holy Spirit was intended to do. It is this idea that the Holy Spirit is God's influence at work in human lives. When I went to preacher school a long time ago, and this was before the what would Jesus do bracelet thing, remember that. The preachers would say things like this. Before you go out tonight, before you take that cute little girl on that date, just imagine Jesus sitting in the car seat next to you and see what that does to your car date and how you talk and all those kinds of things. And, of course, he was being realistic, but we never thought about Jesus being on a date with us. Of course, we didn't want that necessarily. But he was saying, if you're Christian, Jesus really is with you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he was trying to convey this idea that if you're Christian, the Holy Spirit is with you, and Jesus is with you, whether you want him there or not isn't the issue. It's like one of our songs said, when you're, when you're aware of God's presence, he's there. When you're not aware of God's presence, he's there. When you want him to be there, he's there. And when you don't want him to be there, he's there. So the Holy Spirit is God's way of working. Now something else, and I just want to get this out, that... The Holy Spirit is part of the triune God. No, so uh, triune isn't a word we use very often. It's taken from that word Trinity. So we worship a triune God who is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So here's the image. There, there is Heavenly Father, God the Father. He is that faceless presence in the universe creator over all, author of life, giver of wisdom, creator of love, and all those kinds of things, God the Father. God the Son is that same God the Father manifest in the flesh. So God took a human form in the infant Jesus. And so we say God the Father, God the Son, that's fully God in the presence of Jesus, and then God the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is manifested in the way the Spirit works. So God works in your life, and he uses his Spirit to do that. And so you can say, well, Jesus is with me, and that's technically correct because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all the same. But for purposes of talking about it biblically, you need to say the Holy Spirit is with me. So in the preacher in college, if he would have said this... When you go on that date with that cute little girl, the Holy Spirit is with you and you can't shake him. And that would have been more accurate, technically, I guess. But, but, you know, he was trying to make the point. But regardless of where you are, whether you 
envision the image of Jesus or you just understand that it's the presence of God as Christian. God is with you, wooing you, convicting you, comforting you, and helping you. So we need to keep that straight. And in verse 18, Jesus says this, and look at that if you would. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. So Jesus fully intended to leave the earth. He did not come here to live forever and was crucified on the way to living forever. That wasn't the plan. The plan was for Jesus to come on this earth to be God in the flesh, to be sacrificed on the cross and resurrected. That was God's plan. And God's plan was that the resurrected Jesus, physical form, would be taken away from the earth and in his absence, the Holy Spirit would be given to humanity. That was God's plan from the very beginning. And preachers fuss about that, but that really is a very simple plan there. And so we need to keep that. Now, just so we can flesh out some of this truth about the Holy Spirit, it is God himself. So some people have this image that there's God and then Jesus and then the Holy Spirit, and that is absolutely incorrect. It is God, and we're talking about flow charts and power structures, okay? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are absolutely equal. There is no top dog, bottom rung, anything like that. All three persons of God are completely equal and completely God. And it, it doesn't make sense to us necessarily because we aren't like that. And that's right. We're not. God isn't restricted by our form. Remember, he created us. He, we didn't create him. So God is different from us. And just accept that. And philosophers get hung up on that, but you don't have to. God is different than us. So he manifests in three different personalities. And so he's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So... Christians hear God speak, right? Hold your hand up. Have you ever heard a preacher say, God spoke to me? Anybody ever heard that? Sure. Now, another question. You can raise your hand if you want. How many of you have said without the accent, God spoke to me? Anybody? Sure. Maybe not as common. How about this? How many times have you felt like God led you to do something? Sure, that's a little easier to take, isn't it? You know, God may not speak, we don't hear a voice, but we do feel a push sometimes. Sometimes a push towards, and sometimes a push away. That's the Holy Spirit. You sat through sermons and Bible studies. Sometimes they interest you. Sometimes they bore you silly. Sometimes you're more concerned about your bladder or your tummy than what the preacher's saying. I get it. I've got a lot of competition here, right? And that strangely enough, at some point in your life, you're going to be in a situation or a conversation, and something will be brought to mind. A scripture passage, the words of a preacher from years ago, what your Sunday school teacher said, and it's going to mean something to you. Guess what? That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works, and it's God himself, and that's how he works. Now, this happened in both the Old and New Testament eras. In the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters in Genesis 1. Remember that? The Holy Spirit was there at creation. Heavenly Father, God the Son, 
God the Spirit. And the Spirit hovered over the waters. And somehow, even though Jesus is called the agent of creation, the Holy Spirit was there too doing God's bidding. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, by the way, to do what God wants done. God sets the agenda. So they're all equal, but God is authority. He sets the agenda. The Holy Spirit does his bidding. So he was there at creation. And then the Spirit of God spoke to Moses, burning bush. Remember that? Then the prophets received the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God moved on them. And the thing about the Holy Spirit, again, the Old Testament was it was temporary. People received the Holy Spirit for a time, for a particular purpose. And God could withdraw his Spirit at his pleasure. He didn't owe people anything, and he still doesn't owe us anything. God can do as he wills. When King David was caught in his sin with Bathsheba, you remember the story, and he was confronted by Nathan the prophet, and he fought it, and then he finally acknowledged it, didn't he? And he went to God in prayer, and in Psalm 51, he says, Father, do not remove your Holy Spirit from me. David realized that he had the Holy Spirit of God. It was a gift given to kings. And he realized that if he didn't get his life together, that God would withdraw his spirit from him. And he prayed, God, don't do that. David had gotten used to the presence of the spirit. So what happened in the Old Testament happened in the New Testament. You remember a young girl named Mary, an appearance by Gabriel the angel. I'm going to have a baby. I can't. I've never been with a man. The Holy Spirit will move upon you. The virgin birth occurred because the Holy Spirit worked in a young girl's life. At Pentecost, what happened, remember? Thousands of people were saved because the Holy Spirit came as tongues of fire. And what did it do? It enabled people to either speak in foreign languages or understand foreign languages. We really don't know which, but it worked both ways. And God's Spirit worked to allow people to communicate who could not. The Holy Spirit worked in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament. When Jesus was baptized, remember, the Holy Spirit appeared as a dove. Took that appearance. Tongues of fire sometimes. Sometimes the appearance of a dove. The Holy Spirit comes and appears as he chooses. And it's a gift to all believers. So here's, here's the big one. If you follow Jesus as Savior, you have the Holy Spirit. Luke wrote it like this. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when you receive Jesus as Savior and follow obediently, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. Now, nothing is ever said about the Holy Spirit being withdrawn. In fact, is per Jesus' words in the text we read, I will not leave you alone. I'll be with you. You're not going to be like orphans. The Holy Spirit will always be with us. So let's say you're a good Baptist girl or boy, okay? You go to church, you get saved, you got baptized, the Holy Spirit is within you. And you go to church forever after. Is the Holy Spirit with you? Yes. Let's say you're not such a good Baptist guy or gal. You go to church, you get saved, you go to church for a while, and then you don't like the preacher. Or the music's too loud, or the carpet's too red, or whatever. You know, people quit for whatever reason. 
and then you wake up and it's a few years later. You still think you're a Christian, but you're not so sure about that Holy Spirit thing. You still have the Spirit. You realize that? He never leaves. Not going to leave you as an orphan. You see, the Spirit isn't given to you because you're good. The Spirit is given to you because God is committed to you. When you receive Jesus, he adopts you into the family. He gives you the Spirit, and he stays with you forever. Now, you may not be submissive to the leadership of the Spirit. That's true. Various Christians grow at different levels and are at various levels of submission. But the Holy Spirit is always there. You may not hear him because you don't want to. You may not hear him because you only hear what you want to hear. You know, the Holy Spirit's kind of a pesky guy. He doesn't always say what you want to hear. He may convict you of something that you're very comfortable in doing. But it's not what God wants. And he convicts you of that. And you don't want to hear it. It doesn't mean God isn't speaking. It just means he's not saying what you want to hear. So one of the things that we have to do is ask ourselves, am I living the kind of life where the Holy Spirit can speak to me and I can hear him? So it's God himself. It's an Old and New Testament concept. And it's a gift to everybody. If you follow Jesus as Savior, you have the Holy Spirit within you. He never leaves. Pentecostals don't have a different spirit than you do. They express it differently. And by the way, that's okay. Some churches are very active and noisy. We're a traditional Baptist church. We're not. We look like we're kind of half awake. And that may be true for some of you, but I hope that some of you are more than half awake. You know, but this is just the way we look when we're excited, right? You know, you know when people like me are excited, we go, yeah, and I'm excited. Other people go, wow, are you awake? And, you know, they're all over the place. And some of my Pentecostal friends, well, we have these great discussions because we're making fun of each other the whole time because they're doing this thing and all that business, and I'm, yeah. You know, and it's just different. There's no right way to express the Spirit. There's no right way to do it. It's how the Holy Spirit works in your life. Some people tend to be more emotional about it. That's okay. I used to think it was evil because it wasn't the way I was. I thought this was the way people were supposed to be. You know what? I'm glad people aren't like this because I'm kind of boring, my wife says. You know, and so I get that. So there's no right or wrong way to do that. But we have to understand that God knows what he's doing. And we get this idea that the Holy Spirit works to further God's kingdom. Now, read this passage with me. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And even to the remotest part of the earth. So, there is a reason that the Holy Spirit is given to do God's work on earth. At Pentecost, God's will in particular at that moment was so that people would hear the gospel, so they would understand the message of Jesus, and then they would be brought to the place where they made a commitment to life, and, and they got saved in other words, and they had a mass baptism and received the Spirit and all those kinds of things. And that is the issue with the reason for the Holy Spirit. So when your friend in this imaginary conversation says, well, what about the Holy Spirit? What's he all about? The correct answer is, well, what he's about is making sure that God's word gets spread because God's word, the gospel, is the most important thing that people can hear. A lot of things are important. We know that. 
But the word of God is the most important thing. They just really need to hear it. Now, it's interesting here. If you would, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said this just before he left. These were his last words. So the last thing he said, and we understand that your last words are important. This is your last chance. So Jesus' last words were, the Holy Spirit's coming, and he's going to help you do great things. That's what Jesus thought was most important. So this is our job, and the Holy Spirit helps us to do those things. And you don't have to look these passages up, but you can. The Spirit's work within. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and gave people craftsmen abilities. When they were building the temple, stonemasons, carpenters, woodworkers, people who could put a building together and make it look nice and, and pound gold leaf around a shape and all those kinds of things. And those were considered spiritual gifts. They don't seem very spiritual, but they were gifts given by the Holy Spirit for a certain task. So sometimes when we talk about gifts of the Spirit, we're talking about things that are very practical. In a New Testament era, practical things might be administrations or things like that, or the gift of hospitality. There's nothing particularly spiritual about having people over for a meal or welcoming strangers into your house, but it is profoundly practical and can be life-changing for certain situations, and that can be a gift of the Spirit. I have a daughter who has the gift of hospitality, and they just joined a new church, and it's so funny. Uh, my one daughter has this gift of hospitality, and the other daughter does not. And my, they're, they're so funny to listen to each other because the daughter who has the gift of hospitality has been in the church. They went into the same church about the same time. And the one with the gift of hospitality knows everybody's name. And it's a large church. She knows everybody's name. She knows who, what kids are connected to what mamas and daddies. You know why? Because they've all eaten at her house. For a good time, she invites 40 of her closest friends over for supper. It's crazy. She knows everybody. She invited the entire staff of the church, and it's a big church. She said, I want you all to come over. I want to talk to you. The gift of hospitality enables her to do spiritual grounded things. And it, there's nothing spiritual about food, but it's a gift that she has, and she exercises that. And because of that, she is integral to a ministry that she's only been a part of for about a year. You see, that's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit works. Spiritual abilities. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, listen, when I leave, some of my disciples are going to do things that are even greater than what I've done. Now think about that. Jesus raised people from the dead. Jesus led people to make life-changing decisions. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus prophesied. And Jesus said, listen, some of my followers are going to do even greater things because of the way the Spirit works in our lives. So there are spiritual abilities that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it looks like skill, and you can develop those, of course, but a lot of times what people are doing is they're exercising their spiritual gifts. Uh, speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift. Evangelizing is a spiritual gift, and so on and so forth. If you don't have a particular gift, it doesn't mean anything negative about you. Some of my friends have the gift of evangelism. It just amazes me. I have one friend who has the gift of evangelism. He can, in an Uber ride, you know what an Uber is, he can meet a total stranger and in a 20-minute ride lead the man to Christ and get him started in discipling and evangelism. 
For me, I can say the same thing, and they say, I'm not interested. But he has a particular gift. He has the Holy Spirit. Other people have different kinds of gifts. And what you have to understand is that is given by the Spirit as he wills. It is not a reward. It's not because you're attractive or intelligent or super spiritual. It's just as God wills. So your goal is to find out what kind of gift the Holy Spirit has given you and use that. One other thing here. The whole purpose of the Holy Spirit, remember, is to lead people to Jesus. And you do that through an empowered life. By that means you develop the ability to share your faith. You develop the ability to resist sin. You develop the ability to live a Christian life, which is distinctly different than non-Christian. You develop a value system that challenges this world. And people will notice that. And I understand how hard it is to develop a value system that is not of this world because we are products of this world. How many of you have cell phones? How many of you got to have your cell phone? Right. We got to. You know you really don't. I mean, that's a dirty little secret, but you really don't. We have multiple cars, more clothes than we can wear, more food than we can eat, etc., etc. See, we bought into the world system. You don't have to live that way. I'm not saying all that's evil, but there is a way of life that is distinctly different based on relationships and faith, and the Holy Spirit can enable you to identify that in your life and to live it differently. And people will notice that. So the Holy Spirit is for all Christians in all situations. He's with you all the time. You cannot go where the Holy Spirit is not. So think about that. When you're at the waiting room in a doctor's office, the Holy Spirit is with you. When you're at a really unpleasant family get-together and you don't want to be there, the Holy Spirit is with you. When you're driving and you're experiencing road rage and you're ready, and you know what I mean, the Holy Spirit is there with you. If you choose to submit to, submit to the leadership of the Spirit, He can guide you to be better than you normally would be. He makes you better than you, in other words. Not anybody else, just better than you. When you sense God's presence, the Holy Spirit is with you. When you feel God leading you, or you feel like God just spoke to you or whispered in your ear, that's the Holy Spirit. Or when you open your mouth and immediately regret it and say what you know you shouldn't have said and you feel guilty, that's the Holy Spirit. Or when a few days later you realize what you said or did, and you go, oh my gosh, that's the Holy Spirit. It's not your conscience. Your conscience can be uneducated, and you know that. Your conscience can be wrong. But the Holy Spirit's always right. If he convicts you of an action, if he convicts you of an inaction, if he shows you that there's a better way, that's the Holy Spirit at work, and he's always right, by the way. He is everywhere doing God's work. So let me encourage you this week. Try to be sensitive to the leadership of the Spirit. God may be speaking to you. Maybe you might think of something that the preacher said this week if you're still awake. I don't know. Maybe something that Terry said in Sunday school class will come to mind. And that's not just Terry. That's the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe if you read a scripture passage and you realize that it applies to you. That's the Holy Spirit. Let me challenge you. Be sensitive to the leadership of the Spirit. Follow him and he will lead you to God. Would you stand with me as Nate comes and leads us? Michelle, would you come and lead us? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the sermon this morning. Lord, we just ask that you would fill us with joy and peace as we trust in you and allow the Holy Spirit to overflow within us. Amen.